Hi there, and welcome to The Brave, a podcast all about resilience and dealing with the challenges and complexity of modern day life. I'm Beth and Vincent, and I'm going to be your host for this series. And in each episode, I interview someone new about their experiences with resilience. This week, I've been talking to Jamie Wynn, a former doctor turned tech professional. Jamie has a lot to say about dealing with stress as a junior doctor and also how to figure out what you want to actually do in life. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Bethan. Um, my name is Jamie. I am a medical doctor. I have had a bit of a varied career. I moved on from that to become a senior manager at a tech company, which I recently left. I'm on a bit of a mini sabbatical right now and moving on to the charity sector next, probably. So, Jamie, this is a question I ask everyone who comes on the show. And I'd really love to know what you think has been the biggest challenge you've overcome so far in your life, whether that's personally, professionally, in any sense, really. That is a really difficult question to answer. (laughs) But I think probably the most difficult thing is kind of an ongoing thing for most of my life, which is basically trying to figure out what direction I'm going and what what I'm going to be doing, you know, what I'm going to be doing in my life. Since I was 10 years old, I basically wanted to become a doctor, you know, a, a GP like my dad. And that was the goal from when I was 10 till I was partway through medical school. So that was, you know, a lot of years. And that didn't change at all. And then there was one point where I thought, hmm, maybe that isn't quite what the direction I feel my life is going in. And so I started to feel this inkling when I was a junior doctor that I wanted to expand my impact it's quite like there weren't there weren't any push factors really that made me leave medicine I really loved working in hospital it was really rewarding and working with amazing people and uh, helping people every day it was you get to finish the day and feel like you've done some good but I also felt I sort of wanted to be able to make more lasting impact in the world in some way. I'm not really sure. I don't think I knew then, maybe not even now, what exactly what that means. But I felt like gaining management ability or strategic leadership ability was something that I wanted to pursue. And so that's when I started to think, oh, maybe maybe I'm not going to be a GP until I retire, just like my dad. (laughs) And even now, as I've worked uh, at a tech company for you know, two, two, three years and then left and felt like I had, it was a great opportunity, built so many skills, built management ability and leadership ability. And then I thought, okay, well, I've done that. Now, how am I going to take that and make a positive impact into the way that I dreamed of a few years ago? And that means going into the charity sector. But even even then, the charity sector spans pretty much every industry. I've not really decided yet exactly where I'm going to be going. So that's that's a challenge and a bit of an ongoing challenge. And was there a moment when you were a junior doctor, was there kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back or was it more of a niggling, ongoing feeling that made you think you wanted to change? I don't think there was a, a back-breaking moment. <laughs> All of it, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> No, so I, there was. The, I really enjoyed being being a doctor. I mean, there's so many stresses when you're a junior doctor. The long hours, the awkward hours, the stress of having to deal with so many different 
departments uh, that are all making different demands on you and making you feel very under underappreciated, especially with uh, Jeremy Hunt as the <laughs> health secretary, hashtag politics. The, but that never really got me down. It was, I guess, it's just one of those jobs where you feel like you've got this this purpose that you're kind of serving and so that helps you to deal with the the kind of rubbish that comes with it and so I never really felt like I couldn't carry on I wasn't leaving because I thought oh I can't do this till I retire I would have loved to carry on um, but there was this feeling that brewed for quite a few years that was like okay so I've got all of these skills I feel like I'm a little bit limited, maybe, in terms of how quickly I can progress and make an impact. Because if I, want, say, I wanted to become a paediatric consultant, then that would be eight years. That's after six years of medical school wow. and two years of being a junior <laughs> doctor. So that's another eight years. And then after that, if I want to make an impact in the NHS, as I'd have to find some way to step up into hospital management and then after that into kind of district um, or deanery management. And then, like, that's a very long, that's a very long slog. And I thought, you know what, I've got my foot in the door in a tech world. Maybe I can, maybe I can, you know, I, maybe I can apply for a job there and rise quickly to a small business. Cause there tends to be more opportunities in a small business. A better way to, a quicker way to make an impact. So that's the kind of... That was where I left the medical. So I'm really intrigued when you were kind of a doctor, a junior doctor and dealing with all the stresses and all the crap Jeremy Hunt was throwing away <laughs> and still is throwing people's way. I think he's still, is he still a uh, healthcare minister? I think he became minister? foreign Yeah, because maybe. they really uh, compliment yeah, each other. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> hashtag politics. <laughs> but yeah, how did you, because um, that must have been extremely stressful and there must have been moments where you know you're breaking bad news to families and things like that how did you kind of deal with that from an emotional perspective and a physical perspective I guess as well mm, good question I'm quite I'm quite uh, so I'm an introvert and I also find it very hard to leave things at the door at the end of the day which is not a good <laughs> not, not a good aspect of your personality to have when you're working in healthcare I think with emotional challenges dealing with dealing with difficult situations where patients are not getting the outcome that you thought or that you wanted or you're having to break some bad news. That's, I always found that as, although it's difficult, it's an opportunity to do something really well and turn a bad situation around or at least handle it in a way that gives the patient the best chance to, to come out of that conversation not feeling the worst that they might have felt if someone had delivered it really badly. There were a lot of consultants that were not very good at communication, particularly at delivering bad news. So I think with, in those kind of situations, I always felt like it was something that I wanted to go and do just to make sure that it wasn't this terrible consultant that was going to be delivering the bad news. I wanted to be the one that was kind of going to communicate well with this patient and sit them down and, and break news in a way that doesn't completely destroy their hopes and and their emotions mm. and would you say that kind of approach of seeing a bad situation and being like okay what are the parameters that I can improve 
in that? Is that the kind of thing you were trying to do? Yeah, I think so. Part part of me, like I'm a very I'm a perfectionist a lot of the time. You don't say. Having worked <laughs> with him, I can attest to this very slightly. So <laughs> uh, there's I mean, there's aspects of of perfectionism that I'm you know I I work to try and counteract, but also it can be a bit of an advantage in in attention to detail and and just kind of getting the job done well. I suppose the there's a few kind of smaller. There's a few smaller techniques, I guess, that I had, which was you know, to have a good support network of friends. And it's very, I guess it's kind of easy to find people who are going through the same stuff because often you're working with a whole bunch of other junior doctors and you're, you're kind of sharing hospital accommodation with them. And so you're kind of all in it together. It's really easy to find people that you can talk to about this kind of stuff and, and feel supported. Uh, that's really essential to get through this, especially when there's a lot of emotional things that are happening, there's patients that are dying or a lot of understaffing in the hospitals that we're in. So yeah, support network is essential. Physical exercise, another really good one. I, I always try to fit that in in the morning because at the end of a, a long working day, especially with 10, 12 hour shifts, you're not really going to be in the mood for exercise. So I like to get that in in the morning. I think the main overarching way of coping with all that stress and almost made it not stressful for me was having a greater purpose and like meaning in my life that was more than just about myself it was I guess there's I being a Christian there is already like that's part one of my motivation it, it like having faith almost gives you purpose by default like this really profound sense of purpose but kind of part two I think is wanting to like trying to make an impact in the world a positive impact on other people on quality of life on things that will make life better for others and so working as a doctor that's a very upfront front lines kind of way of improving people's lives and you get to see it right in front of you so it's it's really rewarding and that kind of makes all of the stress just fade away into the background a little bit I think when you've got a really strong sense of purpose then you can deal with a lot more things and resilience just kind of comes with it So I think perfectionism is a really interesting subject because a lot of people feel now it's actually quite a negative thing. But from everything you've said, it seems like a really kind of positive force in your life. So I was wondering mm. if you could expand on that a little bit more. Oh, sure. I guess there's... I reflect on my perfectionism a lot and make sure that... <laughs> that sounds very perfectionist. <laughs> Oops, I'm failing. <laughs> but no, I think it's important to recognise your traits and deal with them to make sure they're not affecting your life negatively. So I do have, I guess, techniques that I use to make sure I'm not constantly ruminating over something that I didn't do quite perfectly. Because it can be quite debilitating when you're you're just striving to make sure everything is 100% perfect, especially when you're a manager and like every interaction is an opportunity for you to get something not quite right because it's often in the moment and it's just... You kind of have to figure out a way to say, oh, well, actually, sometimes it's it's human to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. And 
it's okay to not have every interaction go perfectly. What are some of those techniques then that you use to stop that rumination? I think reflecting on stuff is very useful and recognising the fact that I'm not really being very rational and just kind of saying to myself, well, actually, probably nobody even noticed or cared that whatever you did was not quite the way that you wanted to do it. It's a little bit about rationalising, I guess, and thinking through, and you can kind of rationalise your way out of your little rumination cycle and just sort of say to yourself, well, you know, at the end of the day, that probably didn't really matter. I did a good job at whatever that was, and it's time to move on. And I just kind of recognise, oh, I'm, I'm in this rumination cycle. It's not really helping anyone. It's not helping me, for sure. So it's just time to move on. Sometimes it can be difficult, so you can kind of distract yourself with things, exercise or listening to podcasts or watching something on TV or whatever. Whatever you can do to distract yourself, then that's probably wise. Otherwise, you'll just keep on thinking about the issue. I find that for me, I do this a lot where I overthink things and I'm just lying there in bed and I'm like, brain, will you just be quiet? (laughs) And I play the like, so what game? So it's like, oh, you you did this, you had this interaction that you didn't think went very well, so Mm. what? Like, in a week, is that going to matter? In a month, is that going to matter? I know some people say, you know, don't worry about things that won't matter in a year. Mm. And that's a good framework for, I mean, some things actually do matter in a year, and then you're like, oh, what have I done? But most of the time, no one's going to care, you're not going to care. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, it's kind kind of techniques like that that help me to take my perfectionism like a notch down in a way but at the same time like you said it is a really powerful motivator when I decided to leave medicine that was a really big decision and that meant that I that meant that I had left something really good behind and so felt this need to make sure my next step was going to be a step forward and not a step back I wasn't about to make that I, I wanted to make it all worthwhile, that big decision to, to leave medicine. And so perfectionism in that case, you know, in a healthy dose, was a really powerful way to motivate me to work hard, to make my efforts in tech worthwhile, to build the skills that I wanted to build in the shortest amount of time possible. And so you can kind of, you want to take your perfectionism a notch down, but you don't want to take it so far down that you've lost all of your ambition and your drive because actually it's a really powerful way to get you out of bed in the morning and do what you need to do to reach that perfection in your mind (laughs) so yeah it's about balance really yeah totally and so if you've got that balance you can kind of you can deal with make sure you deal with the negative cycles that are kind of self-destructive but also harness it to turn it into a kind of virtuous cycle You've talked about support networks and building them. Um, Would you say that family is a big part of your support network? Yes, very much so. And actually, it's also been a slight difficulty with the constant changes of career, which has (laughs) posed some difficult conversations. But no, I'm very close with my family and have a lot of love and respect for them. And actually, the fact that 
they're all doctors helped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's where the tension around careers comes from. <laughs> no. So yeah, both my parents are doctors and my younger sister is studying, well, she's in pediatric training now. So she's living that dream for me, which is quite nice. But yeah, so when I was going through medical school and working as a junior doctor, certainly it was quite easy to talk about all of that kind of stuff and even now our conversations do tend to veer very much the medical things but that's quite nice and you don't really I've never felt alone in it. So if you were talking to someone today who was in a similar situation to you a couple of years ago perhaps they were thinking about changing careers or trying out something new or kind of overhauling their life or really veering off course onto a different one is there any advice you would give to them with the benefit of hindsight now? I think one really important thing to consider is just assessing and analysing the situation and not taking risks that you don't understand because leaving medicine was something I thought about for years. It's not a decision I took lightly, especially because the medical career is financial stability, you've got job security, you've got pretty much guaranteed progression until you retire. I mean, unless you're terrible. <laughs> but, and you've got a you know, good pension. It's so many reasons to stay in, in the job and not risk going on a venture that would have just set me back. Uh, but the risk for myself in that situation was a, kind of a little less because I could have just gone back into medicine, kind of slotted back in into training. So I left after my second year of being a junior doctor, which is a really good time to go. A lot of people do take a kind of year out at that point, actually. And so after that, you can kind of come in a little bit easier. But yeah, so I would say to think about it and make sure you understand what the repercussions might be of moving, but don't let that, don't necessarily let that discourage you from exploring something else because if you've found something that will that you think is going to give your life more purpose or maybe matches more closely with what you think you want to achieve in your life or what purpose you have then you almost in a way kind of owe it to yourself to explore what that means and if an opportunity arises to go out and grab it that was an absolutely fascinating story for me and uh, just for full disclosure for readers I worked with Jamie at both of our previous roles for a couple of years and I've always been so impressed by his positive attitude and his kind of drive to make this wide-reaching impact so that was really super interesting for me to kind of dive into that and understand a little bit more and I hope you enjoyed it as well so This was episode three of The Brave. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more stories about resilience and people's kind of tales of challenge, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It would also be super useful if you could leave a rating and a review. That just helps me spread the word out there and reach more people. And thank you so much. And I will see you next time.